Welcome to the Street Sessions, the business podcast brought to you by Streets Chartered Accountants. I'm James Pinchbeck, the firm's marketing partner, and I'll be hosting this session in which I'm joined by financial advisors Sam Tyndale and Matthew Sargent from Tower House Wealth Management, part of the Streets organisation. In this session, I'll be talking to Sam and Matt about mortgages in light of the historic increase in mortgage rates, which typically have seen a hike in rates for a typical two-year fixed mortgage from 2% to 6% in a matter of a few weeks. In conversation, we'll seek to highlight what the growing trend in rate rises will mean for homeowners and those with residential lettings. During our discussion, we'll look to provide guidance and thoughts on how the rises will impact and what individuals may do to manage the situation. Welcome, Sam, and welcome, Matt. Perhaps a good start by just saying, allowing you a little bit of introduction to who you are and what you do, if that's all right. Thank you, James. Um, so I'm the uh, Managing Director of Tower House Wealth Management. Uh, and I'm also an advisor within the business as well. Uh, one area that I don't actively advise on day to day is mortgages, um, but obviously it's an incredibly topical conversation at the moment. Um, and uh, most of the mortgage work in the business is, is carried out by by Matthew, who's here with me today. Um, so over to you, Matt. Hi, yeah, I'm Matt. Said, like someone said, financial advisor, cover all aspects, but. Uh, at the moment, looking at mortgages in depth has become the, the hot topic of conversation for people. Uh, so looking at that and how it plans in their whole financial circumstances. Oh, thank you. So at least we've got the right people in the room to talk about mortgages. Um, if I may, I mean, uh, you know, sort of all, could we start with, you know, the obvious, why are mortgage rates rising? And I know we, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the political instability in the world, Ukraine, um, the financial situation. But, you know, just a bit of an, in a nutshell, why you think you know, rates are rising? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly broad topic at the moment. I, I think there's probably several factors at play. Um, I think the biggest thing to focus on is that the interest rate rises are, are sort of directly linked to the state of inflation at the moment. So um, I think the interesting thing we're seeing at the, uh, for the time being is that, um, especially conversations with clients, everybody is, is very, very aware of these topics. There's a lot of publicity around it and we're all feeling the impacts of it. The interest rate rises really at the Bank of England's mainstay and way of dealing with the uh, the sort of large spikes in inflation that we're seeing. Um, so, and obviously, there's a, there's a sort of multifaceted why we're starting to see all these rises in inflation. Uh, my, my personal view, and again, you know, the joys of having two of us here is we will both have our own own views on this. I think a huge part of this is actually we we sort of left. Covid and and everyone thought we'd got away with it and 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 you know the impact wasn't actually that great uh, and it was quite short term and turn around but actually a lot of what we're seeing now is that delay from from Covid when it came through um, particularly when you look over to areas of the world like China and you know they had a really really strong response to Covid closes of factories and 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 obviously you know half of what we use in today's society is is supplied by by China um, and and we're seeing a massive cost in importation a massive cost in those goods being produced so there's a big part of that there that's coming through and then obviously we've got a, a war in, uh, in in Ukraine with Russia that's also putting onto it as well as the energy cost so there's all these different factors going into inflation uh, and the bank of england are responding by going we need to put the rates up and i think matt if we may explore that i mean really you know, we the cost of living crisis. You know, it's perhaps one thing earlier in the year we all became aware of rising energy costs. But I think actually, in perhaps uh, if we might want to describe it as more normal times. But perhaps in the past we might go, well, I can cope with that. But actually, it's the impact and the significant impact of heightened energy costs and mortgage costs. I know before we started this, 
I was indicating, you know, typically, um, if if I was on a variable rate, my mortgage personally would have gone up by five thousand pounds a year, plus my energy costs have gone up by three thousand pounds a year. That's an extra eight thousand pounds to find out of, of of income. So you know, it is those things that are probably impacting individuals. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of the lenders have increased interest rates in expectation of where they're going to get to in the next two and five years. So typically, people who are remortgaging now. It's not uncommon to see sort of 400 to 600 pounds a month be added on top of what they were um, paying previously as part of the just their mortgage and coupled with the, the interest rates um, that are likely to increase that that picture is it's not going to get much rosier in the next uh, six to 12 months certainly. So it may, may sound like a, a bit of a, an obvious question, but how do mortgage rate rises affect people's mortgages? You know, other than obviously go up. I mean, there's more to that than just the pure rate rise, isn't there? The rate rises. So yeah, so the the cost of their borrowing goes up because the amount of interest that they've got to pay over the longer term will increase, and um, that affects the affordability. So people have been able to get a mortgage um, previously based on their current circumstances. A lot is said in the media about the cost of um, people's salary or people's salary is not going up in line with inflation. Mortgage rates have, have gone up exponentially. That If they've stretched their monthly budget to fit their, the mortgage that they've got, um, interest rate rises, adding another £400 a month on instantly, and it would be overnight, could potentially stretch people's affordability to the point where they might not be able to afford it or they have to change their their lifestyle um, to meet meet those commitments i think um, a, a big part of this that we have to kind of go back to is we've not really been living in the real world for the past 10 15 years i think ever since the financial crisis and the sort of historic low rates that we've had especially in the younger age group it's all they've ever known and so you know the the proposition of seeing a you know lovely house it might be under you know, 500,000 pounds or whatever it may be People see it, and, and, and reasonably speaking, you go to a bank and there's a bank out there that will lend. It's been incredibly fluid, incredibly liquid, and you know, borrowing and affordability. You know, we're at the higher multiples of earnings than we've ever been at before, and it's a bit chicken in the egg. You know, are are the sort of never-ending spiraling increase in in house prices being met by the fact that you know lenders will just lend it? Um, it it's it's sort of difficult to, to to sort of arrive at you know which came first in that relationship. Um, but we've been in this position where people, reasonably speaking, have just sort of found properties and gone, you know, well, we'll just borrow the money to get there. And, and I think for the first time, I keep talking to clients, especially younger clients, about I think this is the first time we're going to see true hardship. And I, I, I sort of talk from my own experience and my age group of saying, you know, I, I know we've not lived through, you know, hardship like this before. And actually, you know, quite right, as Matt says, when you come back to it, it's the affordability side of things. It's one thing being able to borrow the money, but, you know, can you afford to actually pay it back? And, and where we've been in the last 10 years is, reasonably speaking, mortgages have just been, we've just been free money. It's been incredibly cheap. So. Well, no one's ever really foreseen this actually coming. If you go back during COVID when there was no no stamp duty or reduced stamp duty, house prices increased significantly. People could get the mortgages sort of on a, a two two year at sort of a couple of percent or so, a five year at, at sort of one point eight percent or so. And then that will uh, bring their affordability and they've got to go and buy a, a bigger house because of the, the options that are available to them. And then also that brings with the additional borrowing, but because it's cheap borrowing, it's not quite so, um, so, painful on the the monthly um, balance sheet because they've got the the wherewithal to do it yeah and i think you said you know often over that period of time income may have gone up and their mortgages payments have remained relatively low or the same so there's that growth i suppose the number of scenarios that now people face you know there'll be those that uh, go well um 
I'm not affected because I'm fixed for five years and I've got a low rate. Perhaps in that situation, the, the challenges may be, or the consideration often is then perhaps, should I make an overpayment? You know, because actually, you know, my mortgage is cheap. I might as pay that off. Perhaps with the thought that, you know, in five years' time, mortgage rates may even still you know, be higher or around the level they are now. Sam, what do you think about that? Um, so uh, this is this is one reason I personally think that, and just to sort of separate out probably where we're a little bit different from, um, you know, calling the bank or, or your, your sort of typical high street mortgage broker is, um, when you deal with a financial advisor who also covers mortgages, we're always going to be looking at your overall financial circumstances. So there is absolutely no one size fits all approach to this, depending on, you know, your rate of income tax, uh, you know, your age, your affordability, your attitude towards risk. All of these factors are really important in deciding you know, whether to make an overpayment, an overpayment on your mortgage. Again, it's it's sort of difficult without going right off the deep end of you know giving the, the sort of depths of advice. But a common topic we come up against, and bearing in mind, you know, obviously our relationship alongside an accountancy practice, we predominantly deal with business owners, is taking money out of your company, incurring you know, corporation tax, incurring dividend tax to you know to take that money to pay off a, a debt which is affordable. It's not always the you know the the most sort of tax efficient move. Uh, again, it has to be dealt with on a case by case basis. Um, but you know that starting point of my mortgage rate is going up. Yeah, you know that's a concern, and it definitely goes up on the list of you know things we should be considering. Um, but actually, a lot of the time with planning, it's it's going. But I would say you know tax is the absolute driver of everything. Um, it's going back to the start of the chain and going. Well, actually, if you've got excess income and you're a business owner, does that mean that you're taking more money out of the business than you need to? Are you paying more tax than you need to? And, and if we can save tax, then not that the mortgage rate becomes secondary. But, um, but there's an argument there that, um, you know, could we just improve the overall tax efficiency, which might be a bigger win than the, than the change in rates. So there's there's loads of different things and loads of different circumstances. I think if you go at it from a non-business owner perspective, um, and again, very much circumstantial, um, but, you know, I, I, I'll use myself as an example, because actually Matt found me a fantastic mortgage, mortgage uh, really well time. I, I, I got a, a, a 10 year fix at 3.05%, which is, uh, I think, probably one of the uh, well in, in in the next day the rate went up a whole percent so that 3.5 became 3.05 became became four the next day uh, which i think matt had cottoned on to uh, straight away and it was interesting actually because we started that process uh, we used it as an opportunity to go and have a look at some of the competition online so i actually went to one of the large online um mortgage uh, companies to see what they came back with and, and and i have to say matt came back with a you know fast period deal what he noticed that they didn't notice is they were quite literally looking at you know the, the marketplace and 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 you know uh, what was available they missed the fact that I could have done a rate switch with my own lender and 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 that's what Matt picked up on so and it, it made a really really big difference actually to to our overall position it's probably resulted in a, a few hundred pounds of, of of saving a month um in my circumstances you know we've always worked to the basis that if we have a relatively low interest rate that actually we've invested alongside the mortgage and in and, and, and the very simplistic hope that if we get a, a better return on the investments and we do the, the mortgage rate that you know that we're, we're doing well there uh, likewise you know that doesn't make that the appropriate solution for everybody and and uh, you know I've got a, a high attitude to, towards risk and you know an investment professional so uh, it seems a, a, a sort of a, a well-educated well-informed decision um, you know for other households if you sat there facing the you know an unaffordable mortgage and you've got capital available family help available then yeah paying a chunk of your mortgage if, if you so subject to you know being allowed to do so with your lender might be a you know, really good choice at this time i suppose the other question is matt is um number of people on variable rate 
you know, you could be uh, on a variable rate that's obviously gone up, and you might be thinking, well, actually, the rate's going up, and the the trend could be even higher. What would sort of thoughts need to be taken into account if you think, well, I'll, I'll switch from a variable to a fixed rate? Um, what, is that something people would consider in such a situation to manage it, their exposure? Or Yeah, I think looking at that now will be key because the, the, the rates, as we said, are likely to increase further. So um, with the energy uh, where it is at the moment and cost of living inflation in the background, have, bringing in a little bit of stability on a monthly basis to that household to know that they're going to be paying three, four, five hundred pounds, whatever it is, a, a month on their mortgage, it takes that risk of that exponentially going out of control and then forcing them into to doing something later down the line that they don't want to do uh, for their, their personal circumstances. So, yeah, the variables have been attractive previously when rates have been low, but now all of a sudden they've they've moved the goalpost quite significantly um, away from, from that being potentially a, a preferred route. And I suppose linked to both of them. So you could be on a fix, you could be on a variable, but your mortgage is up to re- for renewal. What sort of thoughts or, or pro- considerations do people need to make in s- that circumstance? It, it varies from lender to lender when you can do a rate switch. As Sam said, um, with his lender, they opened the, uh, that to him slightly earlier than they are actually... Um, putting on the wider marketplace nationwide if they've changed theirs from uh, five months to six months if you're around six months before the end of your product just pick up the phone and have a conversation because there may be some options there available to you and you've got six months to make that decision Um, but the sooner you can get um, information on where we are uh, at the moment and what your circumstances look like we can prepare for uh, for when that that period comes to an end it's not saying anything will happen but the, the sooner you start, the the better chance you have of, of securing something that's affordable. I think there's a, there's quite an important point in there as well that I don't think everybody realises. Is uh, you know we, you you take out a fix, you know, say you've taken out a two year fixed rate. A lot of people assume you need to get to the end of that two year fixed rate to actually find yourself a new deal. And and this is the bit you know if you listen to people like Martin Lewis, you know, he's sort of really pushing this this rhetoric at the moment, and it's so important. You know, I, I did exactly the same thing. I've done a rate switch. And this is the concept whereby you're negotiating a new deal ahead of your current deal expiring. So obviously the downside with fixers a lot of the time is that you know if you want to move or leave or get out early, you're going to have a redemption penalty to pay. And, and, and that will sort of link into another part of this conversation. Um, but actually rate switching is, is, is often available, like Matt says, up to six months before the end. So if you, know, if you were in a, t- a two-year fix at 18 months, you're effectively able to, to look at a new deal. Um, the difficulty is, is obviously the rates are moving on so quickly. Um, you know, you, you're you're always going to be speculating on, you know, are rates going to go up further, or, or you know, where where will they actually sit in a couple of years' time? Uh, as Matt says, the expectation at the moment though is that rates are going to get worse. So if you know if you're coming near to the end of your you know your two or your three or five year fix, whatever it may be start looking now don't necessarily leave it you don't need to wait until the end of that deal so it's, it's an offer of a mortgage as well it's not necessarily that this is a legally binding contract you don't have to accept the offer if you don't accept the offer at the the switch over point that's when it becomes binding so you can do it now and then let's say the the world becomes a much better place and rates would uh, come down significantly you've still got time within that window to go back and and then take the the option of a new rate um, later in the line depends if you've paid a fee or chose to add it to the loan or, or looked at a, a no fee option but there is still that flexibility in there so that again would highlight the, the sooner rather than later get something that we know is going to be there and available in six months if it does change we can then then act and move accordingly and, and around we i think actually 
perhaps moving from a variable to fix is one way of managing the rate rises. Other things, I presume you've talked, Sam, about looking at your own your, your, holistically your financial management to manage it. I suppose other you know other things to consider, perhaps you know, looking what's the possibility to say, well, could I go for a, an interest only and a, a capital repayment holiday? I mean, is that something people possibly could look at? Or there's there's, there's a lot of different um, options available, and I'll let Matt comment on those yeah. in, in more detail. I think. If we talk about the questions we're getting at the moment, the, the sort of biggest ones, uh, I, I think generally speaking, you tend to find most people are on a fix. It's very rare we find people who are sat on a variable rate. I think we've all had it hammered into us for long enough now that, you know, much like your energy bills, all of those things, you know, fix, fix, fix. And, and, and that's been the case with mortgages. The biggest question we're getting is people who aren't at the end or they're not in a rate switch point. You know, they might have a year or two left on the mortgage and they're considering paying fairly hefty redemption penalties to try and get out onto a you know a cheaper deal. Um, we were talking about this, and again, you know, I have to stress this is personal opinion. Um, the 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 sort of last of the really fantastic rates that you know maybe it did justify that sort of that action. Um, I think have probably passed now. As Matt says, I think the the, the rate rises are already priced in to some extent, and I think that's why we've seen deals change so quickly. Um, you know, if you're going to pay quite a lot of money to come out of a fixed rate now to to go onto a higher fixed rate, then you know, and and the jump is quite big, as you said earlier. Most people who you know, potentially were on a you know two percent two year deal are probably now talking about a four or five percent two year deal. So paying a redemption penalty to you know to to lock in at five percent all of a sudden doesn't seem that attractive. Uh, that question is coming up a lot for us. And I know there's a lot of people out, out there sort of having the same consideration. Our general, Again, it's circumstantial, but our general view on it at the moment is that you wouldn't want to pay a redemption penalty to lock into one of the deals that are out there at the moment because the deals just aren't as, you know, the, in the space of a month, they've changed, you know, massively. So uh, I think that's just an important point for, for people listening. I know we'd, when we introduced this, we said we're looking at you know, residential lettings. Are there any specific implications to buy to let, or do they take a, do they have a more of a blanket effect? I mean, the the, the sector has been affected by the, the, the inability to perhaps increase rents, rising costs, you know, um, the gearing. Are there anything specific around the residential lettings market? Do you think it's a similar story? The rates are very similar. Um, it's becoming difficult for some landlords because the, the mortgages they're coming up to their, the end of their fixed rate, they're, they're going to be burdening more costs because they're typically on interest only mortgages. Um, so they're not paying any of that capital down. So they're, they're still going to be refinancing that original 75%, let's say, which is a, a typical amount. Um, if they're struggling to put the rents up, it's then bringing in a, a, a very different story as to whether they keep hold of that property. And, and in the news, there's some property landlords that are, are taking the opportunity with rising uh, value in houses to to exit that and they've served notice to the the tenants that then has a knock-on to tenants it, it's a, a self-perpetuating um a, a moment uh, landlords if they're in that that two-year fixed it would be a very similar story to the um to what i said in the, have a look sooner rather than later uh, at what the the options are available to you and I suppose, it, as ever, it's it's about often if you've got a portfolio, it's how you manage that portfolio, and you may choose to divest yourself of a property to 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 reduce the cost and to you know reduce the borrowing. You know, it's 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 it's, 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 it's you've got to look at it in the round, haven't you? Really? Yeah. T- portfolio landlords tend to face a slightly higher rate as well. Yeah. So if they've got five properties or four properties, if they were to sell one or two of those, 
then they can bring their, themselves down to the point where they can absorb a little bit more of the, the increased cost um, in the background because of the rates going up and, and it be a little bit more palatable. You've also got to think about rental covers in there as well. That, that And that's probably the biggest part is that, you know, the way they assess lending for, for the buy-to-let marketplace is obviously more what what's the expected rent versus what are your expected um, outgoings for mortgage. And, and and generally lenders want to see that, you know, making sure they're, they're, they're making sure they're very well protected that even if rents fell, the mortgages are, are still going to get paid. And now the difficulty is if the mortgage cost goes up and that goes up more than the rent is going up by, then you start to bring in that crunch point of going, well, actually, you know, will the rental cover cover? It. Ultimately, you know, part of the protection there is putting down more, you know, more deposit potentially, and that's the same whether you look at the the buy to let side of things or the residential side. Uh, you know, options again about you know putting a, a higher deposit down at the start, and you know we've always talked about. Interesting, I think one of the biggest changes is the sort of loan to value brackets that you know they've been quite. Um, uh, quite varied, you know, whether you were, you know, at ninety percent borrowing or eighty-five percent or eighty or seventy. You know, the, there's actually been quite a notable rate change in there. Whereas now, I, I don't know about you, but you know, they just kind of blanket go anyone who's uh, anyone who's above or below seventy-five percent. You know, those those sort of uh, marginal um, breaks have, have uh, seem to have changed quite a lot. It seems to be more of a blanket approach with the rates. I think, I think I'm finding there's, there's not a huge difference between them really. No, so previously we have seen with house prices going up, someone just by paying off their mortgage in two years. The value of the house will go up, they may just fall into the, the bracket below, which is great for them in this moment. There's very little difference between if you're a 75 or 60% um, or up to the, the 90, 95%. They seem they to be, as Sam said, like a, a one size, we're in this ballpark. It's, it's not massively attractive either way, but obviously making a, a larger deposit on the, the remortgage at the old period will, will help to, to bring that cost down um, because you've got less to, to pay back over the longer term. I suppose neatly runs on to you know people looking to purchase a property. Sam, you talked earlier on about you know the loan to value, the the multiplier that people are able to get. You know both pre two thousand and eight and perhaps since two thousand and eight. How do you think uh, lenders and um, will respond to the situation? And and what if if you were looking to buy a house? Or a property now, what should, what should things people take into account, or should be, you know be thinking about? I think it's a it's a it's a really tricky situation because ultimately, ever since joint applicants became a thing, and 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 you sort of we're at four, four and a half times multiples of income. Um, whilst property prices stay high, lenders have I wouldn't say they've got the hands tied, but it's it's tricky because if 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 property prices don't come down, then multiples are going to have to stay, you know, or really need to stay, so that people can actually afford to buy properties and borrow. This is where the whole system kind of comes under pressure, because actually, if you know, if house prices start to come down, then lenders probably don't need to have multiples as high. You know, for them, it would be probably lower risk to have, you know, to have lower multiples of income being used. I mean, ultimately, that's always a more sensible decision. Is, you know, the more the, the higher the multiple of your income you're borrowing against, the more you're stretching yourself and the more you're exposing yourself to borrowing. So, uh, but obviously, we've had to do that for most for, for most people for the most part because people can't afford the properties and you know, if you take 2021 obviously I live in Lincolnshire 2021 I think my house price went up about 15% which was fairly average for the area um yeah that's not sustainable growth prices and and, and as we touched on earlier it was probably spurred on a little bit by the um, the decision to cut stamp duty during covid um, there's obviously a lot of rumour in, in in media at the minute about you know house prices coming down next year. Uh, I, you know, I always think that's a it's a very clickbait you know sort of uh, title to draw people in. 
and it, and it is complete speculation. But you you could see that happen. You could see why there'd be a logical reason, and you could see the argument for why property prices. It's it's. I think it's always sort of supply and demand. These again, are, you know, sort of personal views, but it, it's supply and demand. You know, if people can afford to buy the houses, and someone goes, "Well, I'll just make my house fifty thousand pound more," and someone goes, "Well, I'll borrow fifty thousand pound more," you know, it, it comes under pressure when someone goes, "If I make it fifty thousand pound more," and the bank starts saying, "No, well, you know, I can't afford to do that." So you know, house prices then surely have got to your people will start going, "Well." I'm not going to get the fifty thousand, know, the fifteen percent increase I've had. So I think there's um, there's there's quite a lot going on there at the moment. And, and if you look at it, I suppose Matthew, that one of the things is, you know, we've got um, nearly well, might not technically class as full employment, but we've got high levels of employment and labour shortages. So it's it's the, the, the against that sort of the, the rate rises, there's, there's probably more security in people's income. Ironically, though, there's more demands on that income, isn't there? So you know that uh, you know when when a lender's looking at it and going, well, actually. You know, I'm, I'm less worried about your income security, but I am worried about your affordability, both with it perhaps the changes in prices, but also the cost of the borrowing, isn't it? Yeah, they've eased a little bit on some of the the tolerances that they have for um, for the borrowing and, and the affordability side, and different lenders have higher multiples. So some potentially for employed people, if they've been employed for a couple of years, might go up above the the four and a half percent. It'd be, and that, that's, that's going back to the previous point, having a look and see if there's someone, if your mortgage has gone up, but your salary has gone up, you, you may be in a, a slightly better position yeah. to to take advantage of the, the higher multiples um, and and to, to bring that uh, new deal in for you sooner rather than later. Just you know, before we move on to another topic around mortgages, but if you just conclude about the, you know, if someone's really struggling to pay their mortgage, and presumably, you know, that one of the best things is talk to your lender, and you know, yeah, sooner, absolutely. you know, or yeah, come and, you know, talk to some advisors. You know, it it, it it may seem bad to you or to challenge or adverse, but I'm sure there's help out there, isn't there? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's obviously um, sort of government-backed schemes that are out there. So the, the, the Citizens Advice Bureau and companies that like that that you can contact for some impartial advice. I think my first port of call would be contacting your lender because there's always been things like mortgage holidays that you can take and and having a conversation with them and, and I think you know their their teams will be gearing up because it's you know it's an area of vulnerability for people and 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 the, the sort of financial conduct authority are very hot on vulnerability now. I think the you know it's it's there will be um, it's it's the natural first place to go to for a conversation. We spoke about this the other day and and you know, without teaching people how to suck eggs, it's it's um, again when you going through the position of never having had much hardship before uh, we were joking saying no if you've got disney netflix amazon now you know you look at that and go do, do you need all of them and we, we all get but you know you can all get lazy with your sort of finances and what is absolutely essential and you know trying to find little areas like that to to, to cut back on um it, you know it seems all these things seem quite um sort of you know basic to some, some respects but we were talking about you know we've, we've got a, a, a decent team behind us in the office and you know quite a young team and uh, I think most of them could probably have direct debits to Starbucks every week and, and you know and and with all due respect to them that you know they, they know the same we sort of tongue in cheek about it but they they know how much you know we, we've got delivery at the office twice a day half the time and you go there is definitely ways to you know, sort of reduce costs of the average household there's some people that unfortunately you know they're going to be truly in a position where they're already doing everything they can and you know that they're the people that I think we both you got a feel for at the moment absolutely yeah. and for those people there's there are still options so you can extend the term of your mortgage so you can bring the the cost on a monthly basis down the caveat being that there will be more to pay for longer but if there's nowhere for you to turn and no help before you go to the lender or go to citizen advice bureau 
have a look. That that is potentially the one of the options to make sure you're still they're still paying the mortgage and it is still um, being serviced and looked after. One of the things is, I mean, this news in the news is talk about you know, some mortgage for providers being closed to new mortgages or new lending. I'd imagine that some of that is their exposure, their uncertainty, their own fiscal management of their own organisation. You know, if you're with somebody and you're coming to the end of a mortgage, a fixed or variable rate or term, and your mortgage lender is closed, I mean, are they closed to existing lending uh, to to arrangements, or is it uh, they're just closed? You know, what, what is this? And what would you advise someone to do if they find their lender is not, or a lender is not? A looking? lot of them took the, the the volume of products off the market. So, uh, there's some lenders they exactly that's basically so. The main high street lenders are still there. They've possibly given you less choice. So you've got one five year, you've got one two year, you've got one ten year, and they're just limiting their their potential exposure um, to within there. They've altered some of the the features basically to to reduce the the risk that is um, that they've got. Can, can you? Uh, I mean, in terms of lenders and how they approach risk, what what sort of are there specifics that they've changed in terms of how they manage the risk in lending? Uh, so the, the Halifax, for example, have um, taken away the no fee, uh, the fee to start with on the mortgage. So they said no fee. That that comes with the the slightly higher rate. So it's not quite so attractive. There's, there's things like the cashback mortgages that used to be there. They're not quite so lucrative. And and if they are there, they 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 aren't there for for all the products. Um, things like free legal help, as well. They've just taken a lot of their own cost off the the table. And now it is literally the mortgage and the the rate that. Um, that they set. And I suppose, you know, if you then look at it either for an existing provision or looking at a new mortgage, you know, the role of a broker, perhaps it's never been a greater time for need, that sort of generic, you know, sort of broader market advice or knowledge that you can get. You know, what 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 would a mortgage broker do for somebody? Right, there's, there's probably a couple of bits. I mean, we, one from a, you know, our perspective, we, we, we're not charging a fee to clients to come and have a conversation. You know, if we, we, a, lot of, a lot of brokers will have a, a sort of uh, initial upfront fee and, and then a, a procurement fee paid by the lender. We you know we've taken away any upfront fee to try you know because again we appreciate you know times are hard and and trying to balance it out and make advice more accessible. That was a decision we wanted to make to make sure that people feel they can come through the door and pick up the phone and you know whether it's internally or family members or clients or, or and, and actually for us a lot of the time it's family of clients, isn't it? You know yeah. we we might deal with. Uh, mum, dad, or grandparents for, for you know for wealth management, and and actually it's 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 their children that they're they're saying you know can you pick up the phone and speak to? So we want to make that as accessible as possible. Um, I think the role of a financial advisor who covers mortgages um, as part of their you know their sort of overall role. I think it comes back to what I was saying before. It's it's one part of the overall picture. For for us, you know, some of these topics are solely focused on mortgages, and it's you know I'm coming up to the end of my rate, and you know, how can you assist looking at you know what my existing lender can offer, um, what the wider marketplace can offer, especially if you're working with self-employed or business owners, because it's not as clean cut as you know, uh, you start your mortgage application. Yeah. What's your salary? Well, are you asking mm. me this year, last year, <laughs> during COVID, my bounce back yes. loan? Yeah. You know, all of these several sort of things that come into play. You know, the typical situation for a direct as well I pay myself x but actually I could pay myself a lot more right you know so then you're bringing the you know the business's circumstances into account so um I, I think um sort of the things like the online brokerages have a place for maybe for you you know more sort of um simple lending situations but I think certainly you know for the self-employed and and um, and business owners it's 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 a part of your, your overall planning so for us 
this really sits generally the conversations and questions we get are you know should i overpay my mortgage um should you know should i uh, start increasing that on a monthly basis should i take lump sums off should i bring the term down extend so we get all those sort of questions and actually that's what the client's asking and normally we're sat there going well let's talk about your wider circumstances that you know when do you want to stop working you know where does this all fit you know how long do you want to have that property for are you going to downsize in the future is this you know is this the forever home there's all these parts and then that ties back to again you know things like pension planning alongside it and and especially from a company perspective um just making sure that you know when people leave a meeting with us they go right i've had all of my options taking account all of my circumstances the business circumstances and i feel confident in making you know the decision that i'm going to make and whether that is to to overpay a mortgage or whether that is to you know to to uh, to take advantage of company pension contributions you know they've 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 had a full detailed analysis of their circumstances and i think if i look at that it's it's the it's a bit like when one might talk about your know, retirement planning pensions investments it's actually one of those times you should actually have a conversation in the round about you know where where you are you in your life you know, cycle so to speak or your, your own circumstances and actually the danger is people initially just go back to their existing lender in isolation without considering in the round so and on that basis presumably the, the conversation they could have with someone like you is is sooner rather than well i've been to xyz and they're going to give me this rate which becomes a transactional based things rather than a, a, a holistic planning exercise presumably yeah looking at the bigger picture sam so it's making sure that why where you are where they are now it fits in with when they want to retire not just the standard 65 and uh, retirement age and put it on a 25 year fix it, it's making sure you've got the the best for for the circumstances that you've got uh, or they've got longer term um, and make sure that they're fully looked at for everything because there may be options out there like to save into pensions to help improve the, the longer term if you are going to downsize and, and use the pension as possibly repayment strategy for the, the mortgage um, in the background so it's not just a, a one-size-fits-all there's, there's many pieces to the jigsaw that we would look at and, and make sure that are covered. I think another area as well is that, that it's obviously you can't avoid is 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 intergenerational yeah. wealth planning. You know we've got a, an aging population. We're going to have the largest ever transition of wealth down from from our current sort of um, eighty year old down to the you know the generation below who are probably going to be in their fifties or sixties. This huge transition of wealth is coming. And and whilst you know we would never advocate relying on an inheritance as, as a way to repay your mortgage, in everyone's circumstances that's a different conversation. You know if you've got a very elderly relative and you know who's on end of life care, then you know that all of these things need to be taken into account when you consider you know what to do with your mortgage so I, I just think it's it's such a broad conversation um, and, and that and, and I suppose if you try and you know answer the question that you asked what does a broker do it's, it's all of that it's just making sure you've got someone who sits alongside you helping you um, you know with those decisions thank you Sam and thank you Matthew that has been really useful it's great to have your insight into the the current situation and what people can do and it's, it's great that we have that sort of advice within our organ the streets organization uh, thank you also to you for listening and we look forward to catching up with you again in future sessions for further information or please speak to your usual streets contact or visit towerhousewm.co.uk or streetsweb.co.uk